morning, good morning. This is Brenda here. All right, welcome to episode number one to my podcast. Hopefully everybody can hear me good. And we are going to go. So let me introduce yourself, myself to you guys. Um, like I said, my name is Brenda. I came from a small town in Ontario called Deep River. And where it is located is along the International Highway 1. goes all across Canada. So population about 4,000, born and raised. My mother was a loans manager there. My father was a police officer all the way up to police chief. So you can imagine my childhood was quite interesting. Um, so I stayed here till I was about, you know, 19, then moved up to college, went away to college, took business in college in North Bay, Ontario for three years, which was super cool. Uh, I actually did learn stuff who knew it would, you know, take me further <laughs> later on in life. So, um, so for me, once I was finished my college years, I had met a friend along the way and she was moving out to British Columbia, Canada, which is you know, the far west coast. So at that point, I decided, hey, you know what, why not? There wasn't much going on in Ontario. Jobs were scarce at the time. And otherwise, I'd have to go back home and, you know, live at home, that kind of thing. So I took, a prop, took him up on the adventure. So we drove across Canada at the time. We, you know, stopped along the way, took a lot of pictures, that kind of thing. And it was a, such a fun drive out. So it took about five days to drive out. There were two vehicles. And yeah, so it took a lot of a lot of time. It took our time to get out there. Once out there, we we had a place to live and started looking for work. I get ended up getting a job at the Bank of Montreal, and you know as a teller, and that was super fun at the time. And then I also worked at Rogers Video in the evening, where I met my best friend out there uh, for many years to come. We're still best friends to this day, which is super awesome. Um, so in that time frame. Uh, my friends ended up moving back at the end of the summer. I stayed out in BC for, well, pretty much for the last 20 some years. Now, moved around a lot, different uh, areas of the lower mainland is what they call it. So between Burnaby and New Westminster and Surrey and Delta and Langley and all the things. So it was super fun. Had a lot of fun doing it. And yeah, so I worked at the bank for a certain amount of years, went to work at Rogers Video for a certain amount of years. Um, ended up going back to school because the bank really wasn't paying a lot and they don't do training for anybody anymore. So you have to do it all on your own. Um, and as a young 20 year old, you know, that really doesn't happen at home. So I ditched that and went back to school, went to travel school in the day. Again, worked at Rogers Video at night. And it was super cool. My girlfriend and I, my best friend and I, we went to travel school together. It was an eight month course. Um, and ended up working in a bunch of different travel agencies together off and on throughout the years after that. We, at the same time though, I was working at Rogers Video, I ended up also becoming an exotic dancer in my early 20s. Now, out there, it was very different. Um, and that way nobody knew me, definitely made a lot of extra cash, but also the um, empowerment that came with it. No, I didn't stay into the drugs or the partying or whatever after parties that they usually do. No, I made my money and I went home. Obviously, I at school the next day, plus I had another job. So, but it was super fun. Like, it really, really was super fun and empowering. And, and I enjoyed it for a couple of years. And, you know, it was just one of those things to, like I said, to really boost your, your ego. 
Um, and coming from a small town, I didn't date. I was an overweight child. I just didn't find my identity until I went out there and it was, then it was a bit better. Um, so it was fun, you know, um, the industry changed in about three years. It kind of changed the, the place where I was at changed and it just, it just wasn't fun anymore. So I did get out. And then after travel school, uh, we, you know, my girlfriend and I went to different areas to, you know, become agents and stuff like that, only to end up probably about two years later, end up back at the same place. She told me about this agency that was hiring. It was a cruise agency. And then we both worked in the same place for a couple of years. Um, you know, so at that point, and then it became, that place became a bit of a toxic place to work because the owner was very uh, narcissistic and verbally abusive to his staff. And back then you just didn't know what to do with yourself, but you were getting money you're getting paychecks every week and it was super good. So you really just partied your, your way through it. Um, so I did that. I traveled quite a bit during that time because as travel agents back then, you could get perks and stay uh, at places for like 70 bucks a night and get discounts on flights. Um, I remember with my boyfriend at the time, we went down to Jamaica to stay at a resort and it was like 78 bucks a night. Can't really complain on that one. It's an all-inclusive. Um, you know, a lot of ups and downs, obviously, with that relationship, but it is what it is. Although I will say he was 15 years older, and I still think a lot about him today just because he did teach me a lot back then, and I was just young, and I was an idiot. So I didn't say there was bad, wasn't bad times, but, you know, he was a good person. Um, now, after, the, after I left the travel industry, I went into the casino industry where... I worked a lot of graveyards, uh, night shifts. So I was customer service there when they just, just brand new opened. Um, I went to a hiring gala and everybody got that I knew got hired on and we all got the chance to move on from the cruise industry. So there's probably about five people from the cruise industry that came over to the casino industry. So at that point, you know, I'd switched over, left the toxic toxicity of the cruise agency and went over there, became customer service and customer service supervisor. And then about three years in, I went into marketing and became their uh, marketing agent for bus tours at the casino for about two years. At that point, the casino decided to downsize and my position was eliminated. So they did give me a nice buyout at the time. Um, at that moment, though, I had just got back from vacation and I had actually uh, just got married down there. I met my husband down there after all the uh, turmoil relationships up and down up and down I ended up going back to Jamaica just to be free again and just to kind of find myself and empower myself with my girlfriends so there's three of us that went and down there I met my husband who was uh, working at the resort at the time and as a fitness instructor at the time I was able to go down there and stay for free um, as long as I taught classes you know two times a, a day which I'm always in the gym anyway so it didn't really matter and one of my girlfriends that came, she was actually, she still is, a flight attendant for Air Canada. So we got the perks of that. So really our trip costs us about 500 bucks for two weeks. Can't really complain on that. So between that, we went back and forth, like we went in 2007 and then back, went back in 2008. Um, I had stayed in touch with um, my husband and at the time. And, you know, we ended up meeting up in Cuba and that's where he proposed to me. And then about nine months later, we were married. Now, immigration is a big, big pain in the tuchus because, you know, it takes forever. 
So not only did I have to do the paperwork for that, but it was like I had to work four jobs just to pay for it because honestly, it's over $2,000 worth of paperwork to send plus pictures and documentation, you know, all the flight tickets, the hotel stay uh, receipts, the all the pictures that you have to send them to deem it as a real relationship. So for years after, I just stopped taking pictures because it was to the point there where I was just done documenting everything. Um, but yeah, like I just, it, it just worked. And then, so for about uh, three years with a, a lot of travel back and forth, trying to get immigration stuff done. And then, like I said, working four jobs at the time between, uh, I went over to, the, uh, no, I quit the, after the casino was done, um, found a fitness industry, full-time there. Nighttime, I went to uh, the bus company and like the local transit company. So I worked there at night until about 2.30 in the morning during the week and then do from the gym about 6 o'clock in the morning onward, doing split shifts, whatever. Half the time I'd sleep in my truck um, just so I didn't have to travel back and forth to my place at the time, which was about 20 minutes away. Uh, then the weekends, I would help my friends do their catering business and also work a nightclub just so I can get all the money together to bring him to Canada. Now, once he got here, it was super amazing, and we were able to find a place to our own, and then, you know, welcomed our daughter in the world, and then shortly after that, we needed to have a bigger place, so we bought a place, welcomed our son into the world, and at that point, it just became uh, more of a toxic relationship at that point, verbally abusive, mentally abusive. Um, emotionally abusive and to some degree in Jamaica they don't deem mental abuse as a real thing um, some still say physical abuse within your marriage is still okay but here we're in Canada so that's not okay uh, but it took me years to figure it out because honestly a lot of it I just brushed off I'm like oh he's just being it or I made excuses or Oh, it's the culture, the culture, the culture, blah, 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 to the point where my body started to shut down. And um, it was really hard to understand because I developed such anxiety and such depression from it, but I didn't know what was happening. So when I went into counseling for the way I was feeling, they told me to check my doctor to make sure I didn't have postpartum depression, which I didn't feel I did because my son was already you know, 18 months and my daughter was three. Um, but I checked my doctor and he said no, because he knew us. And he says, no, this is like situational. So I had to see a psych psychologist or psychiatrist um, who deemed it as anxiety, depression, and was, you know, given medications for it, which I still have. Now, it took me, you know, and I see why it takes people years to leave a relationship that is so toxic, because you don't believe it's happening at the time. Um, they call that covert narcissistic behavior, uh, where it really is little digs at you and you brush it off, but your body's taking the brunt of it and it really is soaking it in to the point where I was very immobilized and very, um, you know, emotionally distraught, didn't know where to go or what to do. And with counseling, it did help me. Um, I sought counseling through a local uh, charity and uh, usually they only see people three, maybe six months max, but they kept me on for about a year because it was there was so much to untangle. Um, and, you know, so that really 
the brunt of it was that and trying to care for the kids, trying to do all the things, but losing myself within the marriage and not, you know, taking a strong personality as such I am and having it turned against me. So, you know, and the thing is, is what triggers, what, what contributed to having such a strong, independent person is, let me backtrack here, is that I lost my mother when I was 18. She passed away from cancer. Uh, she was diagnosed when I was 17, went into remission, and then it came back with a vengeance when I was 19. So in April of 94, I was 18, just turned 18, uh, she had passed away which was a tough year for me because I was only in grade 12, didn't know if I'd graduate, didn't know what I was going to do. My father was at home with me and he took it hard. So he was never home. Then my sister was away at university. So I was a lot alone and tried to figure things out on my own. So I grew up pretty quick, um, ended up doing better in school. And then, you know, the final year we had grade 13 here. Um, so I stayed for that, brought my grades back up a lot better. And then went to college after that. Now, <clears throat> so you lose a lot. You lose when you lose a parent. It's 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 a tough one. Um, then fast forward to seven years later, I was out in BC. I was on my own, single living, that kind of thing. And then I get a phone call that from my sister, who was you know eight months pregnant at the time. They were living in Manitoba um, due to military placement, and that's when I got the call that dad had passed away I didn't believe it because she was so upset and I thought that had something to do with the baby that the pregnancy or what have you so it took for my girlfriend who I'd known all my years she was living in BC like she showed up at my work to come and get me and to confirm what had happened so it was a lot to take and because my father was a former police officer here in, in deep river that what they did is they used the chain the channel of policing to send out a notice to me. So they went through the Ontario Provincial Police to the RCMP, which traveled all the way across Canada to my area. And I had two police officers stop by at my door to, you know, refer the information. So that was a lot to take. Um, so again, you grow up pretty quick, right? You're given all this stuff and you're just like, oh my gosh, so I got to deal with life on my own. Yes, I have my older sister and yes, I have my mom's side of the family, but it's, it's not the same. So to have a loved one, such as a husband, throw that into your face that you are, you know, you have a man brain or you, you don't, you can't decipher between whether you want to be the independent person or have somebody in your life was, was a very harsh ball to throw at somebody because yes, I knew I was independent. I grew up pretty darn fast. Um, and I didn't know any other way. So, but didn't stop me from, you know, trying to care. Like, obviously, I'm a caring person. I'm a Pisces. So <laughs> we wear our heart on our sleeves. So, yeah, it just, it's one of those things where you just look at it from the outside now that I've gotten out and be like, whoa, that was really controlling or, or you know, it was abusive. And verbally to the point, like I said, my body started to shut down. It couldn't function. Everything hurt. My body was hurting. The stress levels were so high. Um, yeah, so it was a hard function. It was a hard function. Uh, fast forward to COVID, obviously, uh, 2020, and my gym had shut down. 
due to COVID. So, of course, on uh, insurance, employment insurance and all the things, being at home a lot more, the stress, the kids are being home from school. Um, and I pulled my son from daycare. So it was a lot to take all at once, all still not like receiving all the verbal abuse and all the things. And, you know, it, uh, it took a toll on me. It really did. And not only that, it's like I had a person who was a so-called friend who was a, a Nana to my children at the time. We had moved into the same building uh, only because one, she was always there for the kids to look after them. Well, my daughter mostly. And it was an investment. Then on top of that, it became another person that was very verbally abusive to me. And it was very predominant um, during all of COVID. And so she knew what was going on with my husband. She knew all the things. So it gave her opportunity to fire in there as to what she wanted to do, how she wanted to, to wiggle her way in even more. Um, and by that, I mean, like, there was times where we went out, her true colors start to show. She would have her own, like, this woman's, like, in her 60s, but would have very controlling factors of, she hated men, her marriage fell apart, her daughter kind of estranged to her, and that kind of thing. So she kind of, I saw it as her having a do-over with mine, and I'm like, no, that's not acceptable. But there were times where she would yell at me, curse me out, tell me that there's a reason why my husband says the things he does, like supporting him, even though before she would never say that. So it became to the point where I was trying to accommodate, like make sure my kids would take care of, accommodate him, accommodate her, and I had just completely lost myself. So I had filed for divorce, and well, after COVID opened up the courts again, because I really started the proceedings in February, but then everything shut down. So I picked it up again in August. Uh, he was served in September, more temper tantrums from him, and that was a big thing for me, is that he would have these outlandish temper tantrums that I just couldn't handle anymore in front of the children. So the big factor was that we were still living together. We, I didn't have a place to, to really run away to with the kids, right? And so I stuck it out and stayed at home, just tried to keep peace of it, even though I know that wasn't going to be happening with him. But anyways... Um, and like I said, I'll do another episode directly on each individual part of my life because <laughs> it's all rolled into one right now. And it's a lot of it. Um, but what it was is that the fact that you can get out and I see it now that once I'm out, but it was hell on fire. Like literally hell is fire, but this is hell on fire. Um, so September I had filed for divorce and it was hard because, you know, his temper tantrums and all the things come October. Um, the so-called friend Nana to my kids or whatever. I'd, I worked with her at the gym for 10 years. So again, that's how I knew her. She is of no blood relation, right? But she took it upon herself to just wanting to be around the kids because her daughter would never have grandkids. And plus, like I said, she kind of shunned her in a little way. So come that day, she had already had a few temper tantrums to me, like I said, especially like in the middle of Walmart, super embarrassing, cursing at me in front of the kids. You know, and I gave her, I gave her too many chances, and I know that that's on me. So for me now on, it's one and done. That's it, and we're good. But this time was the end of all because I had to let it go. And literally, she screamed at my husband. Yes, I know we're getting divorced, but at the same time, I will still back him up if it's, you know, someone else disrespecting him the way she did, and especially in front of my children. 
So she became verbally abusive to him. Uh, we were trying to get to a luncheon for both her birthday and my daughter's. And he, he basically what triggered it is that he brought the car back late. Oh, well, big deal. Anyway, so I tried to calm the situation down. She wasn't calming down. She was cursing and cursing and cursing, especially for the kids. I told her to calm down. And the next thing you know, she uh, said that I, I back him up all the time. And it's like, it's not that I back him up, but I won't take any disrespect. That's my biggest thing. To this day, I will not take disrespect towards my husband, my ex-husband because he is the father of my children. So if it is racist, if it is belittling, anything to do with that, and he has done nothing for this, then no. I mean, if he's in a wrong, he's in a wrong. It still doesn't doesn't allow you the disrespect. Just to call him out. He's in the wrong. Bob, done. Anyway, so. As I sat in the car, she turned around and said, I backed him up. I said, I'm not, it's not about that, what have you. Ended up, she verbally assaulted me and then physically assaulted me while the kids were in the back seat. So that ended our, our friendship right then and there because it turned into a severe argument in the complex parking lot where we both live to the point where multiple neighbors called police department, five police cars show up. Um, as the call came in as a possible child abduction because there were children involved and they could hear them screaming. Um, so she really went overboard and to the point where she tried to get between me and my daughter, which is a side of me that I never thought I would see. Um, that I literally was clenching both children's hands at the time and yelling at her within inches. And the only thing I think that saved her was my respect for elderly and she was 67 years old. And I was like, I would have probably smacked her for being that close to me and for trying to shove herself between me and my daughter because she's literally obsessed with my daughter. Um, and I say that because it is true. Um, and that was the fact that the, like I said, the police showed up. They, um, again, under the impression it was a child abduction. When we spoke to the police, uh, it wasn't. So we rectified the, reasoning what was happening um the kids were safe obviously they deemed that the minute i spoke to them and at that point in time they like she even broke into our house like she literally trespassed into my house because she would not leave my daughter alone she kept holding onto her hand we we came upstairs to finally to get into the house she pushed past my husband now uh my ex ex-husband my ex-husband is of jamaican descent he is black so in a society where if he would have stopped her coming in, regardless of his fact that he is on title of that place, she could have easily claimed that he assaulted her. So he knows, and I totally understand that, and I respect that. So um, so she came in and wouldn't leave my house. So when the police arrived, I said, she won't leave, and I will not talk to her at this point because I don't feel a conversation is needed. And she kept trying to wanting to rectify it. I said, I can't do that right now. So the police had to escort her out of my apartment and into hers, came back down to discuss the situation. And I said, you know, I apologize. It is embarrassing. Uh, I never wanted this to happen. Um, but I said the simple fact that she would wedge herself in between me and my daughter just brought out a whole side of me that I never thought I could see. So the lioness definitely came out. Hence why I call this podcast unstoppable. Um, so at that point, too, they, they took all the reports. They deemed everything was fine. Uh, the police did warn us that there is a possibility that child services would call 
because there are children involved. And you know what? I, uh, and sure enough, they did as a checkup because there's children involved. So I feel that if you're a friend and you put me in a position where police show up and now I have to answer back to child services, then you're no longer a friend. So I let that friendship go. And she still to this day, it is July 2021, has tried to follow us, has tried to get in touch with us. So at the time when we were selling our condo, so we still lived in the same building between October and March. Mind you, there are extra entrances in and out of the condo, which I utilized to the fullest so she could not see if where we were coming or when we were coming in and out of the house. There were multiple times where she could see from her place that she could see me pulling in when I was home and would try to come down and talk to me. Multiple times I told her to leave. Um, I did put a verbal warning on a restraining order. Um, it was put in place. Clearly she didn't care. And it's very difficult in the same building. I'll tell you that much right now. Um, however, the day we moved out, she still stalked us uh, to the point we're still on social media. I had to block her. My ex-husband has had to block her as well. My friends have had to block her because she has tried to get in touch with them, to try and get in touch with us. And so I did leave a report with the Delta Police Department in BC. There is a police report here in Ontario with the Ontario Provincial Police because I still feel that she may show up at some point because, and the reason being is that she, I know she witnessed the address on our bins that were being sent out here to my sisters. Uh, we were utilizing our common area in the building because it wasn't being used for meetings, but we utilized the common area to store our stuff in bins, which I had all the labels put on them. And she had snuck in there to drop off multiple boxes of stuff for the kids because I said I wasn't taking anything and I will not take anything from her. So she tried to sneak that in, which I, re which I recognized as I was mailing stuff because there was quite a few extra boxes. And, you know, everybody knows how they pack things. Everybody, when you pack your own stuff, you know how you pack your stuff, what tape you used, how you're, whatever the case may be. So I know she probably took it down. She probably wrote it down, whatever. And then throughout the time that I've been here, she's actually hidden address and phone number in my daughter's stuff, which I found along the way. So again, so I've had to notify the police department from that. And God forbid she does show up because I, I, I honestly wish her well. Thank you for the fun years that we did have, but it just became too much, right? So it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster the past a while. Like I said, in it was in 2019 that I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, so it's been a, a, a long way. But it was a lot to take between the divorce and psycho ex-lady stalking us. And I don't think anybody should ever go through that, because honestly, it's it's the hardest thing you'll ever have to go through. Um, I thought losing parents was, but honestly, emotionally, that was a breeze. Um, so I'm still, I still don't know. Like, I moved to Ontario in April once the condo sold and the money dropped. I got full custody of my children. Um, he talks to them when he wants. I, I don't hold that back. You can see them when he wants. I won't hold that back. Um, but they're, I'm done being around the toxic life, the toxic people, triggers. I don't know a lot of where my triggers might come from at this point. I'm still learning. I did learn that if any yelling or back and forth between people, that is a trigger for me. So I have learned to eliminate a lot of my life, all right? 
if you want to ask questions, guys, drop a message. Um, I'd be happy to break down each scenario for you as I move forward. And I love the fact that this is my new adventure of doing a podcast towards who I am, what I do. And I will get into the fact that what I do, because I love what I do. I found a, a at-home business that I was able to move with and be a part of and be home with the kiddos and be there for them when they need it. And they're here when I need them, obviously, which is way more times than they need me. <laughs> so, all right, guys, like and listen and let me know what you think. And part two will be up soon enough. Take care, guys.